Muggles with Attitude is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know the ancient Assyrians would launch armadillos into cities that they were besieging in times of war? Because armadillos are so much fun that the city's defenders would just start playing with the armadillos and get distracted and be overrun and slaughtered. <laughs> I did not know that. That's historical fact. That's, that's it's true. true. There's and vast relief carvings in modern day Syria <laughs> that, that show this in detail. <laughs> For armadillos rolling around on their back and people like playing with them. Right, yeah. It looks like a lot of fun that they're having yeah. until the next panel where they're all, you know, <laughs> chopped into bits. <laughs> For more armadillo-related facts and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash armadillopodcastingclub. Listening to Muggles with Attitude, we're reading J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series of fantasy novels. I'm Alice Sullivan. I'm Jeff Lake. And I'm Mike Sparkman. And today we're going to be discussing the movie of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, the sixth book in the Harry Potter series. Previously, Harry goes on a little adventure with Dumbledore where uh, he decides to just dump a bunch of poison down his throat. And I guess that's how they have a good time in Wizardland. It's a typical wizard vacation. Yeah, it's a I'd wizard say. bender. Yeah, <laughs> wizard bender. Uh, on the way back, uh, they uh, they stop by Hogsmeade where uh, Dumbledore tries to get a drink, but uh, then there's some you know dark mark thing over the school. So we're like, well, we better go check that out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dark mark is, of course, a very obvious trap. Yeah, and Dumbledore's like, I wonder who they killed this time. Wah, wah, it's me. <laughs> His famous last words. <laughs> wah, wah, it's me. <laughs> yeah, they didn't write that down because it wasn't, uh, you know, dignified, but like, we know how Dumbledore is. Uh, so yeah, Malfoy set a trap, uh, an unnecessarily elaborate trap to get a bunch of Death Eaters into the school uh, so he could fail to kill Dumbledore, which I guess is what we all knew was coming. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, Snape comes along and kills Dumbledore. Uh, I think everyone kind of knows that at this point. Snape kills Dumbledore is like one of the... The spoilers of our time. Yeah, I, I heard that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Snape kills Dumbledore. The Harry goes on a rampage, and uh, then they have a really nice funeral with uh, mermaids and centaurs and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a phoenix. Yeah, really nice phoenix. Yeah, there's a lot of animals there. Yeah, and, and non-human people. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's really an inclusive funeral. Uh, then, uh, yeah, Harry decides to fuck off school and go on adventures and. Ryan and Hermione are like, yeah, we're in for that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. super cool. <laughs> we're down. The okay. end. All right. So what did we think of the movie? Uh, so, okay. I will say that I feel like it had a pretty solid start. Like, okay. From the opening scene, it's clear they had stolen DC's like gritty movie filters and just like thrown them all over the movie, which is fine. You know, we, <laughs> they're, kind of, they're trying to get in a dark direction and DC set the precedent for making mm-hmm. movies that aren't meant to be yeah, particularly grim. It's all grim. Color, what, what do they call it? Color graded to be super gray. Yeah. And dark. Yeah. Yeah, that whole scene when they're in the cave, it honestly looked like it was being filmed in black and white. Mm, yeah. Yeah, mm. so throughout the movie, they didn't intersperse this, like, this kind of gritty filter, which is, you know, a little silly, but it fine. Was, it was kind of a fad in movies around that time. I think mm-hmm. so, yeah. But, like, the scene at the beginning when they're when they go to Slughorn's house, I actually love the way they, they did that. That was, that was kind of fun. You know, they, uh, they walk in there, it's, like, really kind of gruesome, and then there's, like, this, like, 
pristine chair sitting in the corner. Like, okay, well. <laughs> with little feet sticking out <laughs> With little feet sticking out the bottom. That was a nice touch, yeah. I thought it started out really promisingly. You're right. Yeah. Right. The, the intro was cool. I, I liked the Death Eaters flying down out of the sky and just blowing stuff up. That was neat. Yeah, you know? that did look super it cool. It was cool camera moves and the special effects look good. and Yeah. And in a way, it's kind of a good introduction for this. I mean, in the book... They have obviously all of these scenes described from the perspective of the, the Muggle Prime Minister, uh, which I think actually would have been kind of adorable to do in a movie form, just like this cute little conversation. But like, you know, this is more spectacular having the Death Eaters come and re- wreck all this havoc. And yeah, I mean, what specifically they were doing wasn't that. It seemed a little random. Like they, they flew down out of the sky from London and then like wrecked a pedestrian footbridge over yeah. the Thames, which people totally had time to run off of. Like they zoomed yeah. back and you could see people not actually falling into the Thames. Yeah, right. nobody was actually injured or hurt. Or and then, but then flash forward to the Daily Prophet where it said a bunch of people died on a bridge collapsing. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oops. Guess they didn't want to show people actually dying. Yeah. I, I liked it, though. I thought that was really cool. And, like, even though I think it really could have been really adorable to have the Prime Minister and the Muggle Prime Minister, it might have been too too adorable. Yeah. So I think this was a good a good choice on their part. And then uh, it, it does set the mood well, I think, because the, then you see that like the Death Eaters are doing rampant violence again, right. essentially, right? Um, and I, I also really liked the way they did uh, Snape's Oath. Obviously, they tweaked it a little bit, um, that, that whole scene, but but it was it was good. You know, the there was this like back and forth between Bellatrix and Snape, and mm-hmm. you could see he was kind of pressured into taking this oath, but... He did yeah. it, you know. I thought it was actually very true to the book, that scene. They did a good job with that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and right up to that scene in the in Fred and George's store, that was good. You know, that was it was a really well put together scene. Yeah, I actually really liked the way they did Fred and George's store now that you mention it. Like it was like this kind of zany place and they're walking around and like they're showing them all these fun little gadgets yeah, and stuff. It's like kids walking on the walls and, and it sets up some stuff a little bit that happens later. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I'm really confused about the choice because in the book we don't find out about the vanishing cabinets and how they're how Draco's using them to get all the Death Eaters into the castle until like literally the last couple of chapters, right? Yeah. But in the movie, they kept going back to it over and over and over again, and like yeah. they showed him like testing out the cabinet and seeing if it could work, and sometimes the bird he put in there would die, and then it didn't. So we new people could go through or something like it seemed very unnecessary yeah it's interesting in the book i feel like they were they were building like a mystery you know to be solved and in the movie they stripped all the mystery out of it and said we're just gonna make it a pure action movie exactly yeah Mm -hmm. yeah uh and i'm not sure why they chose to do that i don't know i i don't think it was necessary especially since that movie was already two and a half hours long (laughs) yeah true yeah well, they, they had to show, I guess, that Malfoy is up to something. Yeah. Um, and in the books, the way that happened is Harry keeps shouting at everybody, Malfoy's up to something. And they're like, oh, Harry, you have mm-hmm. no idea what you're talking about. And then in the end, he was. And so in this, you know, cinematically, they show us that Malfoy is doing something. And, and I didn't think it was super obvious. I mean, I knew what was happening with the vanishing cabinets, but I didn't think it was super obvious from the movie what was going on there. You know, he's sort of... He's teleporting apples around, or he puts the apple in there, and then it vanishes, and then it comes back, and it's got a bite taken out of it, mm-hmm. which is all him like learning how to use the vanishing cabinet, right? Right. Oh, and, I And like see. he sends a bird through, and it comes back dead, and then later, when Harry Potter opens it, like a live bird comes out, indicating that Malfoy's figured it out. Yeah. I but, thought it was just that he sent somebody, whoever's on the other side, he sent him a bird, and they killed it, and he was like, oh, all right. Well, oh, no, I, I thought I, it just screwed up 
Like, because uh, he used it wrong. Yeah, they were trying to figure out how to make it work, which was not a plot point so, in the book. funnily enough, I don't think they actually explained what the hell he was doing the whole time. Did they even say where the Death Eaters came from? I think at the very end, there is a moment where he tells Dumbledore, like, in the conversation with Dumbledore, he's like, this is what I was dum- doing, and Dumbledore's okay. like, oh, ingenious. Yeah, it went yeah. by really quick. I, I only put together what that those scenes were about because I've read the book and seen the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. That is a question I think we have asked in a previous movie, is like, if you hadn't read the books, and you know, it's safe to assume that not everyone has, yeah. would this movie make very much sense? It would and make more sense than previous movies have. I, I think so. I think that they did a better job making a consistent narrative in this movie even though they took a lot of liberties with it i would say yeah but the goblet of fire is the one that comes to mind as being just such a hot mess yeah yeah if you hadn't read the books you would have had no idea it's 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 an interesting it's a difficult choice i guess when you're making when you're adapting a a book to a movie and we know that people can do it successfully people do it all the time but there's so much i mean there's a lot that happens in these books Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's almost like they're too faithful because there just isn't enough time to cram all of that stuff in from the books. And some of the stuff from the books is not that good yeah. anyway. So if you want to make a good movie out of it, you know, you should get rid of like the Lavender Brown subplot. Mm-hmm. Which wasn't that funny. You know, it was actually funnier in the books. Because they, the joke was that Lavender and Ron are snogging each other. Which now we know the snogging is kissing. That's not what I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like some kind of weird like. I thought it was that you put your tongue in someone's ear. <laughs> That's what teens are into these days. Right, yeah. It's true. Okay. <laughs> Snogging. <laughs> but, I mean, and so that's the joke, is that they're eating each other's faces, which is kind of funny, right? You know, young teen relationship, they're overdoing it in public. But that didn't happen in the movie, right? They're yeah. just sort of dating a little bit. The movie spent way too much time on, like, awkward puberty stuff. Like, there were so many awkward, like, silences. It was, it was, I was cringing for a good deal of the movie. I have to say, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the whole, like, irritating teen romance thing because I think they actually okay you know I you know I'm a Hermione fan right right like I feel like they did Hermione a disservice in this movie because they made it all about Hermione uh being jealous of Ron instead of Ron doing this kind of shitty thing because he was jealous of Hermione right you know like oh, they, they kind of twisted yeah. it like in the in the book Ron finds out that Hermione dated Crumb or made out with Crumb one time so he's like oh well I'm gonna like piss her off by dating Lavender uh, yeah. But in the movie, they ditched that whole first part, so it's just, yeah. oh, Hermione's pining after Ron, and it really sucks that he's dating Lavender instead of her. Mm, yeah. Which doesn't make as much sense to me. It's weird. It really feels like they're... I mean, okay, well, I don't want to say anything or reveal anything that happens in the last book, but it felt like they made Ron a part. It didn't feel as much of a trio as it did before, and I don't know if it's because they were trying to establish that, like... The two of them have this like love hate thing going on right now, Hermione mm. and Ron, so they couldn't be together. But like Ron was not as much a part of the movie as he was before. I don't feel like there was a lot of Harry and Hermione friendship. But like even in the very last scene when Hermione's like, "Yeah, you're not going hunting for Horcruxes alone," like even then Ron wasn't even in the conversation. He was like at the back. We didn't even realize he was there until yeah. like they pulled back and there was a shot of him sitting like way over there. It was yeah, weird. that's a good point. Yeah, it, it was very much a, like, we were like, is Ron, yeah, was Harry and Hermione are just hanging out at the top of this tower together? I mean, that's fine, but you know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was weird. I did enjoy the, um, the scene where he does, he has the love potion. Oh, yeah, that I was thought, pretty good. I thought the actor yeah. acted that very well. What's his name? Rupert? 
Grint. Rupert Grint. Rupert yeah, he did. Grint. He did a yeah, great job. I was laughing in that scene, and not yeah. like cynical laughs, like mm-hmm. like genuine laughs. You uh-huh. know, it was funny. <laughs> Where yeah, he was he was funny, and then and he gets poisoned, and he, he like falls out falls down out of the frame, mm-hmm. like immediately after he gets poisoned. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, you also mentioned the the Quidditch, and I and I think that that's worth mentioning because that was the best Quidditch yet yeah it looked so good like we've we've complained let's see every movie until now except there was one movie where they dropped the Quidditch entirely Goblet of Fire Goblet of Fire right but every other movie they did a they showed the Quidditch and it was always like poorly shot or boring or like yeah the special effects were usually janky yeah but this the the way they shot this Quidditch match was actually interesting to watch and and kind of like well, well done. Yeah, I liked how the the players were swooping around in these cool V formations, and and the camera moves were like continuous, and they set the scene, and they showed you what was going on, and they forwarded the action, which is that you know Ron's doing a good job, surprising everybody. You yeah. got that just from the cinematic language. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, I thought that was really cool because it looked almost like roller derby. Um, a mm. lot of the times when they were like going in formation in a circle around it, which was cool because. I, one of the dumbest things about Quidditch is it seems so random and like who gives a fuck about strategy it's just find the snitch so it was cool watching them like actually acting as a team instead of just individuals throwing a ball at each other until the snitch is found yeah for sure I mean did they even show them getting the snitch no I don't think so they no. didn't right Ginny yeah. is the chaser right oh no because what happened in the books is he was supposed to be um, with Snape, he was doing detention, yeah. so he couldn't be there. So Ginny was the caught the snitch, and then and that's when they kissed for the first time. Oh right! Yeah, yeah. they dropped that whole thing with, uh, with the detention and yeah, yeah. Wait. And this and the, in this time in this movie, when Ginny kisses him for the first time, she's like she takes him to a the a room closet. which may or may not be the room of requirement full of junk, and then says, "Close your eyes," and then backs away <laughs> ten feet, and then walks back up and kisses him. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I don't get it at all. Yeah, that was a weird. Yeah, that was a weird scene. I, so, so I guess they went from Harry being punished for the book to Snape's like, I guess okay with Harry slashing oh, yeah. up. Harry like slashed open Draco Draco's rib cage, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. then just left, and Snape was fine with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Which is, to be fair, more true to the spirit, perhaps, of the of the books of Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It happens, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so instead of having Harry get punished and then they're the aftermath being he gets with Jenny instead, they're going to hide the book together for some reason. Yeah. Right. They just go hide the book on their own. Like, oh, you got to hide the book because it has that spell and in it. That the, I yeah, use. the book thing. I mean, they had to keep the book thing because it's called Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. But the book had, I guess it didn't have that much to do with the plot of the it, it had nothing to do with it, right? Like the book, you know, the book, uh, the book. Other than other than being interlaced, it doesn't actually matter, right? The and, book is, and in this one, like literally, almost at the very end, when Snape and Harry Potter show down, like Snape beats him, and then is like, "By the way, I'm the Half Blood Prince, and that's the title of the movie." <laughs> and then he leaves. You know? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Because they have to explain why it's called that, and the book. Who cares about the book? He put that in the in the attic like five days ago. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because like I, I feel like I, I it, it made me try and remember how it's revealed in the book. Is it because it makes more sense in the book the way that they do it, where Snape's like, 
Yeah, uh, well, I'm a half blood prince or something, right? Like, well, no, I, well, I'm trying to remember. It, it was better in the book, but it was also like, you dare use my spells against me? I, the half blood prince? <laughs> okay, that was in the book too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. odd thing for yeah. him to say. And then flash forward later to Hermione explaining why he was called the half blood prince, oh, which yeah, did yeah. not happen. Yeah, that's right. That's true. They never explained why he's called the half blood prince. <laughs> yeah, he just says, he just says it out of nowhere. I mean. You know, like Lord Tom Riddle randomly decided to call himself Lord Voldemort. So, but, but at least that's a rearrangement of a letter uh, of the I am Tom Riddle. No, no, it's I am Lord. That's the right. Half Blood Prince is an anagram for Severus Snape. Oh, I didn't. Right. I am Severus Snape. I am Severus Snape, <laughs> a dildo lover. Uh, yeah, so I. This, it didn't really work as a movie, I thought. It, and especially in the middle part with all the teen drama scenes, they were just slow-paced. It I was kept thinking, slow. Like, you can, you can make this stuff funny, you know? Like, you know, Harry and, and Ginny are sitting on the couch and they're about to make smoochies and then Ron comes in with a big plate of uh, macarons or whatever the heck it was and sits between them, you know, as a total, like, CB. Yeah, yeah. That could be funny, except the scene took five minutes and it, it was... Yeah, Yeah. so much of that. And you didn't... Like, one of the most common complaints I've heard is that movie Ginny is nowhere near as good as book Ginny. And just based on what we've seen so far, I would concur with that. Yeah, I I think so. Because, I I mean, I think they could have pretty easily... Like, like they included a lot of the same scenes. Like, there's a whole thing where they're the first introduction of the the, the Half-Blood Prince book. And Ginny takes the book away from it. It's just like, oh, whatever. But she could have said something like... Hey, a book that's like a mysterious book that's telling you things. Watch out, man! You know, yeah, like that would have been good to like remind people about Voldemort's diary, right? Which came up later in the movie. Yeah. Which, if you you know, if you don't remember, four movies ago. Yeah. Second one, yeah. Yeah, you, you may not realize what that is and why they talk about it for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we knew the what the ring was, but. I, I remember, Jeff, when we were watching it, you were like, what, why did he just take his ring off? Because it, yeah. it's not obvious what that ring is or why it's why he's putting it away, right? Like, they don't, yeah. they don't say anything about that. It's just like, huh, Harry walks in and Dumbledore takes off his ring. That's a, kind of a weird thing to do. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it, 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 was a weird, it was a weird scene. And because they left a bunch of stuff out, it was not clear to somebody who hadn't read the books what was happening there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't, they don't, did they even say what that ring was ever? In the movie? No, they never do that flashback. In fact, they say that the ring was um, Voldemort's mom's ring, which is not true. It was Voldemort's uncle's and grandfather's ring. Yeah, the locket is supposed to be his mom's. Yeah. The, I was the, disappointed they didn't do any of those flashbacks. Like, I understand that would have... It's a complicated plot point, and, but, like, I love... That's one of my favorite things about the Half-Blood Prince is I love all those memories they go I back into. I kind of like the House of Gaunt. I like more yeah. than... Yeah, I we don't see any of that, right? Cool. Yeah. No, we don't get any of that. We don't get any of Voldemort's mom's story. In fact, now that I'm, th- I'm remembering, they did actually show the ring at one point, and it's on uh, young Voldemort's finger when he's talking to Slughorn, which actually doesn't make sense because he wouldn't have gotten it yet at that point, right? Like he kills his mom. They showed it in the right? movie. You yeah. Mean? yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, because by because by the time um, by the time Voldemort Tom Riddle goes to Slughorn to ask him about the Horcruxes, he's already gone back to his uncle and stolen his ring and killed him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is the significance of why he was wearing it. And then um, in, yeah, and then in the books later on, Slughorn recognizes it. And, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, I was disappointed they didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. 
even though they did have time to randomly add in that the burrow gets blown oh, apart. Yeah, what like, was that why? scene? Why did they do that? That's so weird. They're and just hanging out and then like the yeah. Death Eaters show up at the burrow and like burn it down. It was and so they, bizarre. The Death Eaters do this whole elaborate plan where they... How did they lure out so, here? So they set a giant fire outside right, of the yeah, burrow, right? Flying out right. of the sky, being super cool, because I love the Death Eaters. I'm Team Death Eaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they yeah. got the best stuff. And they make a big ring of fire, which is like specially designed to just let Harry through. And, and, then and Ginny. And yeah. then it closes for a while, and then it opens up and lets Ginny through for a while, but it doesn't let Lupin or Tonks through. It was right, so right. dumb. And they, they run out into the field. Yeah. And they show us Fenrir Greyback. And they're not trying to trap Harry because they're running away, right? They're like, hey, chase me, chase me. And then yeah. they're, they're, it's not like they're killing him, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, ha, ha, I'm going to lure you away from the danger. And, yeah. And then they fly back and burn down the burrow. Yeah. That's After weird. everyone's had a chance to get out of the burrow, which is, again, not very death eater. The point of this? Is they, are they like trying to drive down property prices or something? I, I, I honestly cannot imagine what the purpose of that scene was. I don't understand it at all. That is so bizarre. And then never, nobody ever mentions it again. No. Yeah, it's completely fabricated. It has nothing, doesn't advance the plot. And I mean, I guess you could say that it's a moment where Harry and Ginny were like, Doing something together, I guess, right? I guess so, yeah. Yes. But that, it, it, oh yeah, I, I, I have no idea what the, the mm-hmm. thinking was behind that scene. I mean, I guess to add some stakes, maybe they think let's sprinkle in more Death Eaters so it feels more like the Death Eaters are out there doing stuff. I guess so, but then they, they like you, like we said, they never talk about it again. They're just like, all right, we're back at school now. I would be very curious to know why they did that because that would have cost money, you know. Yeah. Like the, oh, yeah. all those effects, and then they had to pay the actors like Helena Bonham Carter, who I imagine isn't cheap, to like be there and film these extra scenes. Like, yeah, she was in this weird. movie a lot, which I which I love. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe once you pay Helena Bonham Carter to be in a scene, you better have her in your fucking movie, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess I don't know. Yeah, but she and, was throughout this movie, and they just totally skipped the entire battle at the end. Yeah, I I, I have to say I I am. A little irritated with how they did the end as well, because you know, there's in the book, uh, Dumbledore is ambushed, but he freezes Harry and throws a cloak over him, and that's why Harry doesn't intercede. Which, right. sure, that's a very Dumbledore thing to do. Um, but in the movie, Harry's there the whole time, just like watching, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's like on the stairs, sort of underneath, so they can't see him. Yeah, and he's just like hanging out, and then and then Snape shows up and. And, and is talking to Harry, or we're not talking to like gesturing to Harry, oh, wait, be quiet. And then he goes up and kills Dumbledore, and Harry's still watching throughout this whole thing. Yeah. He's watching the whole scene. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't they, do anything. Did the Death Eaters teleport away then? Like, how did they get out of there? They just... That's a great question, because you're not no, supposed to no, disapparate. Remember, they go out through the Great Hall and smash a bunch of shit. So they went down those stairs that Harry uh-huh. was standing on. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, I think there's different stairs. There must be two sets of stairs, and Harry was on the one set of stairs that they weren't using. Well, there's an entry stairs and exit stairs. (laughs) Yeah, luckily he was on the entry stairs (laughs) because he never went all the way in. Yeah, and there's no reason for them to. That was another thing that bothered me. So, in the book, they go to the astronomy tower, and uh, they go there because Draco has cast the dark mark to lure them to the astronomy tower. Right. right. In the movie, they go to the astronomy tower because that's where they left from. That's fine. Instead of going to Hogsmeade, they, they go. Because they teleport back in and Dumbledore's like, oh, I can teleport. Yeah. I can apparate. But why is Dra- why, why does Draco know that's where they're going to show up? How does Draco know to ambush them on the astronomy tower? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 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 Well, it doesn't hang together. It really doesn't. It, and it's... 
and again, it's it's a bummer because I, I felt like it started really strong. I was excited about it for, I would say, the first 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then around the time that they left Fred and George's shop, they just like, it takes us a, a downturn. And from there, it's kind of confusing. Yeah, I was excited to see Jim Broadbent. I know. I really like him, but mm-hmm. he, they didn't really give him very many good scenes. I thought he did great with what he did get, though. Yeah, yeah, he did his best. Yeah. One, once Slug again, horn. just that yeah. Yeah. adults are fucking amazing casting just incredible yeah just across the board all of them always yeah i wish i wish uh, the, the kids are good too you know mcgonagall would have gotten more yeah yeah for kids and um just some fun fast facts that i found out the youngest tom riddle when um dumbledore does the flashback and he goes back to the orphanage and he meets tom when he's like 10 right because he's about to go to hogwarts mm-hmm. was actually played by ralph fine's um, nephew and Ralph Fiennes, of course, plays adult Voldemort later. Oh, so I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, that is fun. Yeah. I was, okay. By the way, in that scene, I felt like they they didn't make young Tom Riddle nearly creepy enough. Honestly, really, I thought he was super creepy. He was creepy-ish, but I think he was creepier in the books. I don't know, my opinion. Yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty passive. Yeah. Yeah. I also really want to know. Speaking of creepy children, I want to know what was up with those super creepy twin girls, like. They're like slither. I get. I guess they were supposed to be slithering. Yeah, they were always they were wearing the train, green. right? Yeah. Yeah, but they were also at Slughorn's party, and they had like freaky hair. Like it was very, very shining vibes there. It was yeah. an interesting one. Super creepy twins. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess they were like Slytherins are creepy. You know what else is creepy? Girl twins. Yeah. <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. Twins in general, really. Oh wait, no. I guess Fred and George aren't that creepy. No. Yeah. And the I and the Patel twins weren't creepy. That's true. Yeah. Just uh, are they twins? I thought they were just Padma sisters. and no, they were twins. Huh. But one was in Ravenclaw and one was in Gryffindor. There's a lot of twins at this wizard school. And wizards have a lot of twins. That's yeah, it's a well-known fact. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> wizard that. Uh, this wizard fact brought to you. Yeah, I I missed the old John Williams music. The music wasn't as good, was it? It wasn't nearly as good, and they didn't yeah. even have the theme that everybody knows. The do 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 do. I noticed that. Yeah, I was thinking maybe because that's kind of a playful theme. You know, kind of a kids' movie-ish theme, but bum, bada bum, 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 bum. It can be pretty dark. I, yeah. Honestly, I would say if 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 you're a filmmaker who's transitioning from like something lighter to something darker, you want to use the theme, right? Like you you want to start with that theme and twist it a little bit to like yeah, you know. Yeah, I wonder why they did that. The music wasn't as good. Um, it's an interesting. Choice. It was really dark, but mm. not in the best way. True. Uh, let's see. So, how would you rate this? Where does it go in the rankings? You know, so going into this, I was I was sort of excited to see it because I didn't remember anything about this movie, and now I think the reason I don't remember anything about this movie is because it was it was it was pretty bad, right? Like, other than the beginning, I found the movie kind of like boring. Yeah, honestly. it doesn't really resolve anything either. Which you know, is they talk about how Voldemort is all this is is the big the big problem, and he Harry Potter's the chosen one. Now he knows that, but then nothing happens, right? They talk about these horcruxes that are very important and then they don't find them. And that's that's true of the book too. Yeah. But but yeah, the mo- the movie for me just didn't didn't do it for me. I'd put it somewhere in the lower half. Yeah. I don't know if I it's don't the think worst it's one. the worst. I still think Goblet of Fire was the worst. Like I was personally offended <laughs> by some of the choices they made for Goblet of Fire. But this might be the one that this might be right after Goblet of Fire, honestly. Yeah, it could be. What about you, Jeff? Uh, That's your favorite one? Nah, <laughs> no, no. I'm trying to remember what happened to Goblet of Fire. 
I think I like that one. The Sea Digs was in it. Yeah. yeah. I like the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what happened in Order of the Phoenix at all. Umbridge. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that one sucked. I know, but Imelda Staunton was so good. Yeah, she's really good. It's just so frustrating to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I, I would put this middle of the pack. Yeah. I think I would go... Three, one, five, seven, no, six, um, four, two. Two is the best one? Two is the worst one. That was, a, that was a descending order of quality. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, really? You thought that Chamber of Secrets was the worst one? Yeah, it was really boring. The one, but it had um, Kenneth Branagh on it. And you loved that. Uh, I did. I mean, if you go back to the record, I may have said that. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're really all playing. I know. Together. I don't want to like. I don't want to rate any of them because people can just go back and look at what we said in all yeah, the other sure movie all the episodes. Yeah. 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 Uh, overall, was 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 not one of the more enjoyable movies. I mm-hmm. I, th- I do think. I'm trying to remember. I think that I think I might have disliked the last one as well, despite liking parts of it. I think I found the last one kind of boring too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that for the next one we have uh, two movies to watch, yes, which will be do. exciting. You want to do yeah. two podcast episodes? Uh, yes. Yeah, we're gonna have, we have to. We have to. Those but, movies are fucking long. But maybe we'll do them on different nights. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of uh, that's a lot of movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. It's, like, it's that same thing as the last one where it feels like they put too much stuff into it, and also it was really boring, and they should have cut a lot of stuff. <laughs> It's, it, it, like it, what it comes down to is when someone does a book adaptation well, they are not true to the plot; they are true to the spirit, right? Yeah. Right. Like not 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 Lord part, of the Rings. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there there are probably exceptions to that, but generally that's the deal, right? Yeah. And these are true true to the plot, not true to the spirit. I was just thinking like how I would fix this story is you would make it so that Harry Potter finds out that Snape is the half-blood prince before the climax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have a resolution, right? Snape is like, "Why? Are, how dare you use these my spell books? And Harry's like, what? You're the one that's been helping me this whole time? Maybe you're not so bad, Snape. And, and then he helps Snape with some shit. And they, like, they, they come to like an agreement. Like, you know, Harry Potter's not so mad at Snape anymore. And then Snape kills Dumbledore, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, yeah. It's like, and Harry Potter's like... Double betrayed, you know. Mm-hmm. That would be a more compelling thing to watch, right? right? There's an arc there, and and that's why you call it the Half Blood Prince because it all hinges around Snape. Yeah. Whereas, which this movie and story really didn't. Yeah, you could you could have removed the Half Blood Prince from this movie, and it wouldn't have affected the plot. I think, right? I think she just thought that the name was super cool and tried to kind of like it is formulate it is a, a plot cool around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to come up with our own like evil monikers, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Lord Voldemort, Haplet Prince. Earl of Sandwich. Earl of Sandwich. I'm taking it. Super that. evil. <laughs> They're <laughs> really bad me. sandwiches. <laughs> They're evil. They're evil sandwiches. sandwiches. <laughs> I mean, it just requires a lot of explanation for another thing. They're you know tuna I mean? melts, the most evil type of sandwich. I like tuna melts. Because <laughs> you're evil. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> fair. <laughs> I can just imagine the director being like, oh, it's going to be, you know, a movie about magic, but it's also going to be like a coming of age movie where they're exploring their sexuality or something. And it just didn't work. You can make a teen comedy out of this. I think the ingredients are there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like the stupid Ron and Hermione mismatched, uh, what do you call it? Like they miss comedy of errors. Yeah. Yeah. This just isn't it. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's the thing. I think they're too serious with it. Like, they're, they're, they they do a couple things for, for, for laughs or whatever. Yeah. But generally, it, it, it's, like, uncomfortable rather than funny. It's like it's Aragorn and Arwen. Like yeah. It's this epic 
uh, romance or something. It super isn't. <laughs> I mean, I thought I think the scene where Hermione sicks her killer attack birds on Ron is supposed to be funny, but yeah. it is. It's dour. Yeah. yeah. It's, and and yeah, yeah. It is. It is right. Yeah, like she it sicks them on him, and then you see her tears soaked face. <laughs> yeah. It's like that okay. is not that is not the spirit, right? That, no. Yeah. Yeah. But it, that, that's very, like, thematically, that's how it is through the whole movie, really. It's like, it's, it's more about the sadness than about, like, oh, they're silly, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean it's enjoyable to watch. Yeah. No. Or it also would have made the movie better because then it would be punctuated by the death of Dumbledore, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be like, the shit just got real moment for Harry Potter, right? He's, he's spending all, a lot of his time on this teen romance drama. And when then, all of a sudden, the war strikes home... Right. Yeah. In a, in a dramatic and, and sobering way. It would be more impactful as far as like taking the movie into the next movie as well, I think. Because then it, it's like, then this is this is the, the moment when that decision has to happen. It's like, okay, right. something terrible has happened. I'm, I can't stay at Hogwarts, you know? Also, one of you, I can't remember who it was. One of you asked like, when did Ron and Hermione actually get together? Yeah. And I think it was actually at the end of this movie. I think it was the death of Dumbledore because they talk about how Ron and Hermione are like, Ron's like, she's like crying into his shoulder and he's stroking her hair in, um, in the during book. the funeral, during Dumbledore's funeral. Because yeah. there's never like one exact moment where, where they like reveal their love to each other or anything. Um, but I think it's pretty heavily implied that they are officially a couple by the yeah. end of uh, the Half-Blood Prince. Okay. So speaking of, I think we can all agree that Hermione could do better. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That was, I mean, that was the thing about this movie, right? It's like, why was Hermione like pining for Ron like seriously like, yeah. what is it about Ron yeah. why not Harry she spends a lot more time with Harry she even says Harry you're my best friend like mm-hmm. that's who you get with you know I thought that was a little awkward <laughs> because you know Hermione is not Harry's best friend like look if you're Harry Potter you're lots of people's best friend okay <laughs> Harry Potter is Luna Lovegood's best friend it's true he's yeah. probably Neville's best friend he's I probably know. Neville's best friend <laughs> <laughs> But no, none of those people are Harry Potter's best friend. Oh, okay. That really annoyed me too. At the beginning when Harry is on the train and Luna love and he's invisible and Luna <laughs> finds him with her stupid specter <laughs> scopes because apparently he does have Raxperts because apparently it really is a thing. Like what? Why? That didn't make Why? any sense. Why? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's not backed up. That was a weird choice. I, like at first I thought they did that because they were just not going to put Tonks in this movie at all. I was like, all right, sure, whatever. Yeah. you know. But then Tonks is in the movie later. So with just that really one scene, her and Lupin, David Thewlis, are in the, just that one scene. Yeah. Arthur Weasley and Molly Weasley are in just that one scene. It's huh. true. It's true. Well, wait. No, right. the, are they? They're, they're all Molly the, Weasley and Arthur. They're also all at the fire scene. Yeah. Well, that's that's right. Actually. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. But you're, and Arthur and Molly are in the beginning too. But yeah. but anyway, they they like brought those actors in to shoot that one scene, and then like with the burrow and the the cornfield, that's all one connected thing. It feels like it's. You could just cut it right out of the movie. You really could. Or if they wanted to use them and they wanted to spend the money, like literally, why did they not do at least some of the fight at the end? Been yeah, because right? yeah, because they fights. were all there. Yeah, yeah. The, the special effects are great in this one, so they could, they could have done some bang up wizard fights. It'd be great. They could have. No, skip the wizard fight. Also, speaking of things that they skipped that would have been great opportunities for special effects, they skipped Dumbledore's funeral. Like to mm. me, like that's such a that's a pretty big thing in the book. Like it's a it's a yeah, it's a transition, you know. It's mm-hmm. sort of an iconic fantasy scene in general. It's like the the 
the leader, the the wizard, the wise one dies, and there's a mourning scene. You know, it happens yeah. for Gandalf and it happens for uh, Aslan. Aslan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, so, so and I think they they probably could have done a done a really solid job without adding a lot of extra extra time. You know, it didn't have to be long. Just have like something where you see like. No, the, the the monument you see like all the you see like Hogwarts you know laid out with like yeah. the the centaurs and this you know all this like it wouldn't be hard to do a scene like that and I think it would have been pretty powerful but they just dropped it entirely and had the yeah, I, had I, the phoenix. It's odd filmmaking decisions, but it feels I don't know. It feels like this movie. I'm sure it is. Like they were they're in the middle of this thing. Like they know they're going to make two more movies and they're just sort of cranking them out and they're not they're thinking about doing the next scene, doing the next scene and. You know, these movies are huge, right? It's a massive undertaking. You have to wrangle thousands of people, like actors and support people and FX people. Just getting anything together at all is a massive undertaking. You know, I wonder, with you saying that, I wonder if when they were making this movie and like just plotting it all out and everything, if they were thinking of it more as just instead of a standalone book story on its own as just kind of setting up the last two movies. Yeah, they must. Because that would make a little more sense to me. Um, they're, they're, the decisions they made around Dumbledore's character were very weird to me. Yeah, something you mentioned that that kind of struck me is like in this movie, Dumbledore is played as super aloof. Yeah, which is weird because in the book, he's kind of like he's finally letting his guard down and he's warmer with Harry in general, right? Yeah, he came off as very aloof and in some ways almost predatory. And yes, he was very manipulative. And that's why I said why I wonder if they're thinking of it not as a story of its own, but it's just kind of a continuation because, you know, hopefully no spoilers. But the next movie obviously is going to talk, there's going to be a lot of thinking about like, why did Dumbledore set things up this way? And like Harry spends a lot of time thinking about Dumbledore. So I wonder if there's something there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Too bad. Yep. Well. Uh, <laughs> anyway. We spent a lot of time doubling on that movie, I guess. But we sure on, did. On, I mean, like it, it did have positive qualities. Like there, there was there were some really cool spectacle things, but overall, it was yeah, it was disappointing a little bit. It was a little. So, what was Flitwick really going to when he said there's an emergency choir practice? Oh, that's right. I still maintain he was going to a brothel. <laughs> I think he was just going to you know have some some <clears throat> alone time. You know, flit his wick. Yeah, he's going to flick his wit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, but why was he heading away from Hogsmeade? That's where like all the brothels are. Yeah, I mean, you know, Madame Rosmerta has. Yeah, she does business on the side, right? Probably, absolutely, Madame. No, I, I think that I think that when everyone goes to Hogsmeade is the time when Flitwick can can go. Like, you know, it, 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 he needs. It's a production for him, right? Like, (laughs) he's he can't just like oh go rub one out in the bathroom, right? Like, he needs to like set the mood. He needs to like put on some music. Like, he's a Flitwick is a cultured fellow, so it's not just like he's going to rub one out to some porno, right? He needs to, like, mood lighting, he needs some music. That's weird. I wonder if they did that because the implication was that nobody else really wanted to hang out with Slughorn. Because wasn't that it? Slughorn was like, hey, Phileas, aren't you going to the bar or something? And he was like, no, I have to go to choir practice. Yeah, he's just running on his way back. That's so weird. That was an odd exchange that I thought would lead to something, but it didn't. It Maybe really he had to go to the bathroom. Yeah, that could be it, right? He just had to take a monster deuce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what he calls it, quiet practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good name. <laughs> or were they, tr- I wonder if they were trying to make it into like a red herring? Because right after that, Katie Bell like got the cursed necklace and everything. Oh, I didn't even know. Maybe, yeah, maybe, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't think that at the time at all. I don't know. 
That's very bizarre. That Katie Bell scene, that was pretty scary, actually. It was. Oh, yeah. When she, like, rises up into the air and screams. Yeah, that was was actually pretty solid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the beginning of this movie, I thought there was a lot of kind of horror movie stuff in there. Yeah. I think think if they had used more of that, it would have been a better movie, too, right? Like... I agree. It, It was weirdly applied, though. Like, you know, Harry Potter's looking out the window and the train goes by, and then Dumbledore's just standing there staring at him. Yeah. That's like what... Jason Voorhees does, right? <laughs> yeah, I, maybe maybe that's the real problem. Is this movie was trying to be too many different things? You know, it was trying to be like a coming of age, you know, teen romance, and it was trying to be like a horror movie, and it was trying to be an action movie, and it yeah. didn't end up being very good at any of them. I remember too when Dumbledore first shows up in the London Underground or whatever it is. Remember, he's staring at a poster of a woman in like a bra, and it says like something about magic. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that I I'm thinking more and more. The director was like trying to shoehorn in a like making it all about like emerging sexuality and like coming of age. I really think that's what he was trying to do, just not very well. Well, remember that that scene starts with Harry, with the, yeah, yeah, flirting with a girl. The waitress is like, "Wait, what? Where did that come from?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, Harry." It's like gets. Yeah, I guess he's about to hook it up with her because he's like, this is what time I get off of work, and mm-hmm. he's like, "All right, yeah." Well, she knows who Harry Potter is, right? No, she's no. his own newspaper. Oh, is that? Yeah, she's looking at his newspaper because he's got the Daily Prophet, and she's like, "That's a weird newspaper. Who's Harry Potter?" He's like, "Ah, some some shithead, you know." (laughs) (laughs) He's like, "Tell me about that shithead, Harry Potter." But then she knows who he is, though, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I thought that's what she was implying. Like, you can tell me more about Harry Potter later. Meaning, you can tell me more about you later. Oh, I don't Uh, think so. No, I think she. I think it was just the only, literally the only connection that they had, and she decided that was like, you know. Well, that is a wrap on Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. We are going to take a short break, and then we're going to be returning to our other podcast, The Dragon Reread, which follows the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. If you haven't checked it out, you should do so. We're going to be reading The Winter's Heart, right? Is The Winter's Heart? Is that what's coming yeah, up just next? Just Winter's Heart, but yeah. Oh, oh Winter's yeah. Heart? All Book right. Book nine. Book nine. Wow. All right. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> which means we're what? We're about a quarter of the way through. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I believe there's 30 books, right? Yeah, we started books. The Dragon Reread in 2017, and it's 2020, and we're uh, still going. Still going. This still is going. our life's work. I guess Our so. magnum opus. <laughs> we're we're going to finish reading whatever the, the prequel book is and just, like, all die. <laughs> That's okay, because it'll probably be, like, 2080. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That time. Um. Anyway, I am Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter and Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at mwapodcast.com. We love hearing from you. Please share this with anyone who you think will like this. Please give us good reviews, especially on iTunes. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. Finite, Finite Podcast. Podcast.